In Florida Ag and Review for the week of December 10th, we had this regarding the drought and its effects on ag commerce. Well, as of Tuesday of this week, the Mississippi River death at St. Louis was about 12 feet. And according to the U.S. Coast Guard, further restrictions on barges may be necessary at levels at around 9 feet. The National Weather Service predicts the river will reach that level late this month if there's no significant rainfall. And while the Coast Guard doesn't expect to close the river, American Waterways Operators President and CEO Tom Algaretti says any additional barge restrictions will leave the river as good as closed. According to agricultural groups, that would leave 7 million tons of ag products worth $2.3 billion at risk. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack says they are aware of and attempting to address the problem. This was a discussion at the most recent cabinet meeting. Our president has directed his team to do everything he possibly can to make sure that we continue navigation. We're expediting, blowing up the rock formation that could potentially interfere with barge traffic. We're going to continue to look for ways in which uh, traffic will continue to flow. Uh, because we understand it's dollars and cents and it, it can make a significant difference in terms of bottom line. Indeed, work by the Army Corps of Engineers to blast barge impeding rock pinnacles in the middle of the river could start as early as next week. However, there is still the issue of water flow, which is why officials with American Waterways Operators and Waterways Council Incorporated says the Corps needs to restore some of the water from an upper Missouri River dam that they recently cut by two-thirds. And during this week's National Grazing Lands Conference, Randall Wiseman was able to get a few words with leading animal handling expert Temple Grandin. Temple, like anything else, a lot of folks are familiar with your work and what you've done with livestock handling facilities. And obviously, uh, this all started back a long time ago, didn't it? Oh, it started back in the early 70s out in Arizona. When I first started working with people on calm cattle handling, they thought I was really crazy. I'd get down the chutes and say, oh, look, he's balking at this chain. He's balking at the shadow. If you take the chain out there take the chain away, you take the coat off the fence, then cattle are going to go up the chute. And uh, you got to see what cattle are seeing. The other thing that people need to do with cattle handling is just calm down. Because once the animals get really excited, they're much harder to handle. Then you can start learning things like using the point of balance, want to get rid of the dogs around the corrals, move smaller groups of cattle up the chute, going into the squeeze chute, and things are going to get calmed down, cattle are going to gain better, People are going to be a whole lot safer handling cattle. Sometimes some simple changes, like putting solid side on the um, on the on the single file chute and on the crowd pen, can sometimes really make a big difference. Also, another thing that will help is spending some time walking amongst cattle and just getting them tamed down and getting the flight zone smaller. Obviously, you've worked with more than just cattle, though. Do, do you see differences among the different type of livestock? Well, some of the basic principles are the same. Now, sheep are greater followers. Pigs are a bit more independent, but basic principles, like understanding the flight zone, the point of balance. One mistake I see people make is to stand in front of an animal in the, sque- the lead-up chute and poke it on the butt and try to get it to go forward. If you want it to go forward, you've got to be past, behind the shoulder when you're bringing it up, up into the uh, squeeze chute. You work with a lot of students. All of this, obviously, is part of your teachings, right? Yes. I have a whole class that I do in livestock handling. I have my students actually lay out facilities. Another thing I have my students do is I make them pick out a you know, fairly narrow subject in animal behavior because I need to teach them how to look things up on the Internet. I'm finding some students are really good at that, but other students are really um, bad at that, and they need to learn how to dig into the databases, things like PubMed, Google Scholar, Science Direct, those um, uh, academic databases. Obviously, you're getting a chance to speak here at the uh, National Grazing Conference. When you get a chance to talk to livestock producers, what's your main message to them then? 
Well, the importance of good handling. The other thing I find with handling is people get all excited about going out and going to handling seminar. They're going to go, ha- go home and really handle their cattle right, and they do for a while. But then they slowly slip back into old bad practices, and it happens slowly, and they do not realize it's happening. And that's the reason why it's important to measure handling. Okay, how many animals fell during handling? How many animals are running fast? Uh, how many animals has used the electric product? When it comes to electric prods, get it out of your hand. It's not your primary driving tool. You get an animal that's really stubborn at the end of the squeeze chute, pick it up, use it, but then put it away. So I'm a big proponent of measuring handling. And then you can make sure that your handling practices are actually getting better and not slowly getting worse without you realizing it. This is something, and it's interesting to hear you say all this and seeing your work over the years, you know it does work. Oh, it definitely does work. You know, the whole principle is to use behavior rather than force. The first thing you've got to do is to calm down. Screaming and yelling is really stressful at cattle. And then if you get them all excited, it takes 20 minutes to half an hour to calm back down. The secret is don't get them all excited in the first place. I know people like to come at different events like this and hear you speak, but they can't always be at these events. I understand you also have a website, and uh, there's a lot of information on your website about all this. Yes, I have a website, grandon.com, just my last name. I've got a lot of videos up on YouTube, cattle handling. In fact, the newest one is Temple Grandin Beef Plant uh, Video Tour. Because one thing that really frustrates me is ag's been doing a lot of good things, especially in beef, but the public doesn't know about it. You know, I've worked for, you know, 20 years to, to make the slaughterhouses a whole lot better, but nobody knows about it. They just see bad videos up on the Internet. You know, we've got to show things doing stuff right. And, and meat plants. And I realize you've done a lot of work with the meat plants, too. Yes, I have. In fact, half the cattle in this country handled a piece of equipment I designed called the Center Track Restrainer System. And you can see that in my video on Temple Grand and Beef Plant um, a video tour. And we've gotten a lot of good feedback on that. And... And uh, what I find when it comes to the general public, they're kind of surprised that, you know, the slaughterhouse actually can work really well. And I'm not going to call them harvest facilities. I think that's just BS. I guess bottom line to all this, when we take a look at your work with livestock, today's consumer wants to know where their meat comes from. They want to know that animals have been treated humanely. And obviously, it's very important work that you've done in that aspect. Well, I think one of the things we've got to do on everything we do, if you brought your wedding guests out from Miami or from Chicago or New York, you know, are you proud of what you're doing? Are you squirming on some of the things that you're doing? Handling over the years has gotten a whole lot better. But unfortunately, I just found out about somebody the other day that was ripping ear tags out of cattle without cutting them first and tearing the ears. That is something that's not acceptable, and that happened just a month ago. Okay. What's that website again for folks who would like to go see more? It's grandin.com, just my last name, G-R-A-N-D-I-N. And I got lots of information on there on corral design. I also have a book, Humane Livestock Handling. That can be ordered on Amazon.com, Humane Livestock Handling. It's got lots of different corral designs for both big and small ranches. And we will wrap up for this week with Everett Greiner. Since midsummer, I've been doing a regular report on the drought damage to crops done this year. The southeast suffered its second drought year in a row, but it was not nearly as severe as the drought in the southwest, midwest, and the plain states. Been getting updates on crop losses, and every one seems to be higher than the last one. Well, here's the new one, trees. I never thought about trees suffering from the drought. It's been worse in the west than it has in the east. It's not just our forest now. We've lost thousands of landscape trees. That's the ones in your yard. 
oaks, elms, magnolias, leaf trees mostly. Pines that seem to stand dry weather a lot better than leaf trees. Well, now, if there's a good side of this story, it's simply this. I don't think there'll be near as many leaves to rake up nearly as often next year. And remember, you can find these stories along with all the week's Southeast Agnet reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. I'm Julie McPeak with Southeast Agnet's podcast.